Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 16 from the World English Bible. He came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewess who believed, but his father was a Greek. The brothers who were at Lystra and Iconium gave a good testimony about him. Paul wanted to have him go out with him, and he took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered the decrees to them to keep, which had been ordained by the apostles and elders who were at Jerusalem. So the assemblies were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. When they had gone through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't allow them. Passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There was a man of Macedonia standing, begging him and saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go out to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the good news to them. Setting sail, therefore, from Troas, we made a straight course to Samothrace, and the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a city of Macedonia, the foremost of the district, a Roman colony. We were staying some days in this city. On the Sabbath day, we went outside of the city, by a riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, one who worshipped God, heard us. The Lord opened her heart to listen to the things which were spoken by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. So she persuaded us. As we were going to prayer, a certain girl having a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much gain by fortune-telling. Following Paul and us, she cried out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us a way of salvation. She was doing this for many days. But Paul becoming greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. It came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men, being Jews, are agitating our city and advocate customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore their clothes from them, then commanded them to be beaten with rods. 
When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were loosened. The jailer, being roused out of sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Don't harm yourself, for we are all here. He called for lights, sprang in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, and was immediately baptized, he and all his household. He brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly with all his household, having believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. The jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, come out and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly without a trial, men who are Romans, and have cast us into prison. Do they now release us secretly? No, most certainly, but let them come themselves and bring us out. The sergeants reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and begged them. When they had brought them out, they asked them to depart from the city. They went out of the prison and entered into Lydia's house. When they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them, then departed. That is the end of chapter 16. Paul was in Derbe and Lystra on his initial trip with Barnabas, as was recorded in Acts 14. Lystra is where a man crippled from birth was healed, so the mobs first tried to worship Paul and Barnabas, but then the Jews from Iconium and Antioch persuaded the mob to stone them, an example of how meaningless celebrity in the world is. But continuing with the summary, Paul was left for dead, then he just got up and walked back into the city. And this is the Lystra where we are now introduced to Timothy. Timothy is mentioned as being with Paul or sent by Paul in the letters to the Romans, both of the Corinthian letters, the Philippians letter, the Colossians letter, 1 Thessalonians, Philemon, and of course we have the letters we designate as 1 and 2 Timothy that were addressed to him from Paul. And Timothy is also mentioned as set free in Hebrews 13.23. It is in the second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5, where we learn that it was Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and mother Eunice, from whom came knowledge of genuine faith to him. And according to chapter 3, verse 15 of this same letter, the study of the scriptures began in his childhood. At least at the time of the original meeting here, the strong implication is that Tim Timothy's father was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones's chronology of Acts estimates that this 
event in time would have been about 20 years after the events of Acts chapters 1 through 5, but only about five years since the first trip to Lystra. So Timothy's grandmother and mother were probably among the first believers five years prior, and Timothy is an adult here, albeit a comparatively young one, according to 1 Timothy 4.12, but he already has a very solid reputation. One commentary said that because of the way the term young is used, since Paul is at least in his 60s, that for Timothy to be young could mean that he's 30 or so. So he was probably born again anywhere from the time in his young teens to when he was 20-something. Note that 2 Timothy 3.15, where it says that his study of the scripture began in his childhood, does not say that that's when he was saved, but that he had known the scriptures from his childhood. It was likely the honest, diligent study of the scriptures, the Old Testament for them, that led to his grandmother and mother's genuine faith in Jesus Christ, which they could then easily share with Timothy, who was also familiar with the scriptures. Another example that the Old Testament leads to understanding salvation as God planned, as Jesus himself explains. The obvious question that we have next is, why did Paul have Timothy circumcised, as it mentions in verse 3? Or what does because of the Jews mean? Since the previous chapter, Acts 15, makes it crystal clear that nothing about circumcision is for salvation. So especially when the narrative goes on to say that they are continuing to share the decisions that are sent out from Jerusalem about circumcision not being necessary to salvation. This decision seems to correspond to Paul's statement that we find in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 20 through 22, which speaks of him doing what it takes to avoid any distraction from sharing the gospel. Whatever culture or human behaviors that were not contrary to the truth and love of God, he would submit to in order to make it more likely people would listen. The Jews here in Acts 16 seem to be unbelieving, so far, Jews. So even though Paul knows his primary audience is to be Gentiles, he still looks for opportunity to share the gospel with the Jews in the places he visits, and he knows that with Timothy's Jewish heritage, it will just be easier if Timothy is circumcised. Verse 6 is a strong, clear direction from the Holy Spirit, though we aren't told how exactly this was conveyed. Recall that Asia, during this point in time, was how they referred to the region that was basically northwest of Lystra, etc. So whether it be for safety or because the Holy Spirit knew the word would get there from the nearby regions, we aren't told. But what we are told in verse 9 is that it was more pressing for them to go to Macedonia. Macedonia, in today's geography, equals northern Greece, Bulgaria, Serbia, and Albania, but Paul went mostly to the area which is now known as northern Greece, touching on Bulgaria. There is actually still a country called North Macedonia between Albania, Greece, Serbia, and Bulgaria, but that doesn't seem to be where he went. Unlike with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, we are not here told if this man from Macedonia is a specific man or a representative man. 
And then at this point in the narrative is where it changes from third person they to first person we, indicating that Luke, who we know is the author of the Acts of the Apostles, so this is where Luke joined the group, probably in Troas, and he includes himself in verse 10, where he says, concluding the Lord has called us to preach the gospel to them. So Luke was not just sitting on the sidelines taking notes. I looked at the route that Paul and his group are taking during this part by looking at the American Bible Society Bible Atlas, Map 62 on page 50. So they end up in Philippi of Macedonia per verses 12 through 13, and they sat down to speak with women. Interesting side note, Philippi is named after the father of Alexander the Great. So in Philippi, no going into the synagogues here, but they did go to a place where they heard prayer went on, the implication being it's prayer to the true God, but apparently there are only women there. And this is where we meet Lydia of Thyatira, who already worshipped God, so he honored her seeking and opened her heart to the gospel. Also take note that Paul obviously didn't have a problem hanging out and conversing with women, and we can also mention Priscilla here, which we will discuss more in later chapters. But in this narrative, then Lydia provides accommodations for them in her house. In verse 16, we have the beginning of the strange incident of the demon-possessed slave girl whose masters got paid for her to use her occult powers. Here is an example that there are occult powers of sorts that entice people with their perverse appearance of miracles. We know from places like Isaiah 46.10 that it is God alone who declares the beginning from the end. But what is clear in this story is that this divination is not from God, it's from a demonic spirit, which demonic spirits are obviously evil and misleading, and they lie. I will link to a story about a man in the Amazon jungle who I think it was around in the 1970s who originally got saved. I'm not absolutely sure, but it was a fairly recent story. And one of the reasons that he ended up seeking the true God is because he became aware that the demonic spirits that were coming and possessing him at different times were lying to him and asking him to do terrible things. But one thing the demonic spirit here did know was that Paul's message was true. What seems different about this casting out is that no one was asking for it. Paul apparently viewed this as a distraction, even though it was speaking the truth. And we never hear of the poor girl again. Her masters, however, are very upset and trump up charges to get Paul and Silas beaten and thrown into jail. Ironically, considering how much the Jews have abused Paul, it is his being a Jew that gives even more force to the accusation here against him. In verse 25, we see that Paul and Silas simply continue to seek and praise God in the midst of this hardship. Kind of humorously, unlike Peter, who was sleeping quite soundly in Acts chapter 12, Paul and Silas are having a song fest, which the other prisoners are paying attention to. Then we have the earthquake. Everyone is freed. Their shackles are broken. The doors are open and the jailer wakes up. Paul understood what the risk was for the jailer, and he speaks up right away in his concern for him that the jailer not die. 
Now, even though the jailer was sleeping when the earthquake happened, somewhere along the way, he learned or heard enough to ask, what must I do to be saved? Because that's his immediate response. The words that Paul answers were not only for the jailer, but for his whole household. Anyone who would believe could be saved, and it turns out his whole household believed. See verse 34. And then the jailer's immediate response is one of caring and love for his new brothers in Christ. The deal with the magistrates, I think, also falls into the category of openly proclaiming the gospel. Paul would take public spectacle wherever it helped spread the word. He certainly wasn't vindictive, but using his status and the current laws, he wanted to bring the gospel into the limelight, into the headlines, so to speak. Unfortunately, unlike Lydia and the jailer, the response of the magistrates is just to want them to leave, Paul and Silas and their company to leave. The magistrates are comfortable, they think, in their pagan self-centered lives. But the church has taken root there in Philippi already. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.